0: Good morning. morning. Really, it's really good to see you. I I yearn for Sundays to be with brothers and sisters in Christ, and this past week was a wonderful week in ministry as well. So once again, good to see you. Uh, We're going to say, we're right in the second chapter of 1 Peter, this series where Peter's talking to the new believers, the Jewish believers who are going through some trials and suffering and encouraging them and bringing them to this this one true God, now the Messiah, Jesus, and strengthen their hearts. And that's what I want to do with you today. I want to encourage you, strengthen you, and then also understand now, because of this great gift of salvation that we have, what is our response? Is that fair? All right. A title of our message today that I titled, A Stone That Cuts Both Ways. I know you all are familiar with the expression, it cuts both ways, Right? And it's a, it's a, well, it's a statement that we've used really that shows that you can have both a positive and a negative response to the same situation. You've heard the statement, a blessing and a curse. The Bible tells us this morning that the believers are never put to shame, but yet the gospel of Christ causes others to stumble. Jesus is both our savior and our judge cuts both ways. But who's this stone? Who's this stone that we're talking about? This living stone, precious stone, cornerstone, a capstone, and in the end, the chief cornerstone. Again, rejected by humans, but chosen by God. This man, Jesus, has a great impact on the world, the life of the believer and those have yet to believe. So let's get to the text this morning. Are you ready? I'm with you now. Come on. It says here, as you come to him, Peter's telling him, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones. Get that one in you right here early on, that all believers, you're considered a living stone. You're a living stone. You're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one trust in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. A stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But that great conjunction, but you, you believers. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Mm, That's a good one right there. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. I'm speaking to everyone. Come on. Most of you in here. You are now the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, he's telling them to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Man, this is a stone, a stone that's invincible and eternal. It's like an everlasting duration, something like the hard rocks that you've seen that's been laid in stone all across America and the world. It's a foundation on which we are built. And the eternal stone, living stone, is eternal himself. Cuts both ways, though. See, God is... And men see this man, Jesus, in different ways. Chosen by God, precious, yet rejected by many. But there's also prophecy in the Old Testament. You've read it already, but let's go to that. Psalm 118, 22 to 23. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. The one that God prophesied brought forward as the Messiah, Jesus, for to be the savior of the world, in particular, his chosen people, the Jewish nation. They refused him as the Messiah. They denied him in the presence of Pilate. Yet to this day, he's the headstone, the cornerstone of the church. He's the chief cornerstone, our capstone. He's not only the one that uh, diagrams the outline of the church, but also at the head at the top that seals it. Everything the church does is designed to lean toward Christ. Everything. He's our all in all. And it says it's wonderful in our eyes. They, though the Jewish nation was looking for a Messiah, they didn't like what they saw, so they rejected it. Many believers, or many, not believers yet, people seeking, look towards Jesus, possibly toward religion, and they don't quite like what they see. Pride is a funny thing, isn't it? What's in it for me is a funny thing. They don't like the Jesus they see, and they stumble all over it. I remember when I stumbled all over him. Now let's move to Isaiah 28, 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Panic. our foundation, the church's foundation. Everything lines up with it and remember I called out early that we are all living stones. We might not be the precious ones with our background. We might not have the straight edges. We might not be the one that has no fissures or cracks but we are the living stones that line up on the walls of the durable church that God's called out to get his mission. You are, believer, the living stone of God's church. And it's right here at Christ Church Waldorf. We align with Apostle Paul when he says, we preach Christ crucified, buried, buried, rose on the third day, according to the scriptures. A stumbling block to the Jews and a foolishness to the Gentiles. So I want us to go there a little bit more with Paul in 1 Corinthians and talk about this precious stone and what we want to line up with and who's the head of the church. Here's what Paul wrote. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Nothing we can do who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. He is our cornerstone, our chief cornerstone. He's the one that we rely on. He's the one that set it out, put it on plain for us. Never to fall. For 2,000 years, the church has stood and now it's up to us to make it endure, make sure it endures. And we have a new generation to come along that we have to teach, that we have to train, to grow in Christ. Don't understand how great a salvation we have. But I also want to s- stay in the New Testament. I'm going to tell you a story about Jesus. Told. Y'all want to go with me with the parable, yeah. parable of the tenant, parable of the tenant. Not parable of the talent. There ain't much talent up here. I'm gonna tell you that. So let's let's talk about the parable of the tenant. The landowner planted a vineyard. He had a wall, watchtower, and a wine press. He he wanted to move away, and when he did, he rented it out to some tenants. Now it's about harvest time in which when you initial wine press, it's going to take up to about five years. Now it's time to harvest. So he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. Well, what did the tenants do? Hmm. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. And then the landowner sent more and they treated them the exact same way. So now he says, wait a minute, I'll send my son. I'll send my son. Surely they won't bring him down like that. But as he came, the son came in, they said, that's the heir right there. Let's kill him and take the inheritance. That's exactly what they did. So then Jesus finished this parable up to the chief priests and scribes that he was talking to in the temple, and he asked them, When the owner comes, what will he do? What should he do with those tenants? Their answer, he said, he'll bring those wretches to a wretched end and give the vineyard back over to the tenants. All of his crops. Here's what Jesus remarked and told him. He said, you have never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and be given to a people that will produce its fruit. They were talking to the ones that could save him, but they stumbled all over it. They stumbled all over it. And Jesus is now calling in 2024 a church given to you that will produce its fruit. And I just heard um, Elder Dennis talking about the church and the great ministries here, but you know, the, the thing about ministry, and, and it never stops. For 2,000 years, it's never stopped. New adventures, new hopes new people, new believers, new crisis, ministry, ministry, ministry. Well, when can I get a break? When Jesus comes. <laughs> when Jesus comes. But, but we'll find in here, too, as we talk about this precious stone, this cornerstone, and I told you I want to encourage you, and especially for those here who haven't settled it yet with the Lord. But there's still hope. There's hope. So for just a minute, watch this video with me. Watch the screen. See what it's telling us. Don't ask you know it's true Don't have to tell you I love your precious heart I I was standing You were there Two worlds collided And they could never tear us apart 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was talking to the scribes and uh, chief priests, it was pride. It doesn't always have to be immorality, illicit behavior or anything like that that keeps us from stumbling over God. It could be only the pride of our heart that we don't relent, we don't want to surrender. But even there, the greatness about what you saw in that video, Jesus, God, is long-suffering. A man, a woman could be in their sin, but he'll wait for you. He's dependent maybe on some of us to be the vehicle that changes, that speaks the word of God in truth, this marvelous truth. You are that living stone, you know. He's called us to do that. And look right here with me. And I am reminded that video what is saying that, yeah, you might have been like that. You might have been there. You might have been full of pride. You might have had some sins that you didn't want to let go. But now, but, but, but you are a chosen people now, church. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. Oh, how I love mercy. (laughs) Grace. But I'm going to read this one more time because this isn't written for 2,000 year ago people. This is written for you. Are you ready, believer? But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. God's very special possession. How does that make you feel on a Sunday? That you in turn may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once. I remember when I was not a people. But now we are the people of God. And it's all because of his mercy, his loving kindness, his long suffering. His glory through the salvation of humanity. But to be all of this, to be all this, and to be a God's chosen people, we never receive grace and mercy without taking and making the, and Jesus Lord of all. Yes. Yes. We don't have to do anything to receive grace and mercy, but I tell you this, when a grace and mercy comes to believer and the Holy Spirit indwells in the heart, Lordship arises out immediately. We want to please the one who saved us. We want to please the one that's now made us a chosen people, a special possession, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. So just give me a few minutes here to talk about priests a little bit. No, I'm not going to bore you to death. When God first spoke to Israel, just after delivering them from Egypt, here's what he said. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you'll be my treasure possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Exodus 19. Then we round up in the time of Jesus. The temple was the center of the Jewish life. It was where animal sacrifices were carried out by the priests and worship according to the law of Moses was followed dutifully and faithfully. And in that temple was a temple veil. You couldn't get behind it. It's this where on the other side of the veil, the Holy of Holies, is where the presence of God was. So basically, it showed that our sin separated us from God. And then once a year, the high priest went to the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the sins of the individual and the nation. But yet, move forward thousands of years, Jesus, on the night he died, when he cried out in a loud voice and he gave up the spirit, that 60-foot high veil, thick and made of Twisted linen was torn in two from top to bottom. From then on, the believers had direct access to God. Any barriers have been removed between God and man. Humanity no longer needs anyone to atone for their sins, interpret scripture, or offer sacrifice, or seek a diff- a forgiveness. You go directly through God, through Christ Jesus. You have the power. Our sins are now atoned by the great high priest Jesus and him alone. There is no, here's what it says, 1 Timothy 2.5. There is no mediator between God and man, except for the man, Christ Jesus. This great living stone, cornerstone, capstone, the chief cornerstone. He delivers us unto salvation. So what do you think the suffering Jewish believers, what do you think that Peter was writing to them that they were going to do with this new boldness and confidence by having direct signs, access? Because in Hebrews 4 it says, now we may approach God with boldness and confidence. What do you think they were going to do with that new boldness and confidence? But the big question is what are we going to do? Life filled with confidence now, the ability to be bold because we know who owns it all and has it all. And you're also empowered by the Holy Spirit. Are we going to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out into this marvelous light? So much opportunity, so much need. Following this week of being on site at two schools for good news clubs after school and seeing the joy of the leaders, your leaders and staff here, close to 20, over 40-some students after school for the first time, hearing the gospel of Christ dead on. I didn't even think of this as it's ended. All my mind went to is that we have more and more opportunities. 44 children sounds great the first week, but you know how many children are in Charles County? You know how we can do it? There's parks, there's schools, there's right here. There's many avenues to be able to seek out and find families that want to have positive men in hearing about the Word of God and His excellencies of hope. You know, Peter was encouraging in those uh, new believers because, remember, they were strapped down with suffering, trials, very new life for them, giving up their families. Some rejected the Messiah and some believed. Let us not stumble over the opportunities that we've been given, okay? The living stone Jesus has many for you. Don't stumble over them. Don't leave it up to someone else. Now, just in a few minutes, I know that sounds good to your ears. Just in a few minutes, there'll be prayer time. Now, this is serious. There'll be prayer time about a new potential new lead pastor, an associate pastor right here at this church. However, our ministry and our growth is just not dependent on a new pastor, our ministry and growth is dependent on a new you God changing your heart, getting you moving again and trusting you to the salvation of those to be called out in the darkness and light, leaving behind the idea that We attend church and then we know we have to serve somewhere. So let's go ahead and get it done. Instead of looking to opportunities where we're genuinely needed. Allowing God to use us after calling us into this marvelous light. No matter your age. No matter your age. See, because the truth of the matter, I think I might have told you this before. But we don't have to serve. We get to serve. Amen. You know, getting through, you know, 1 Peter is such a rich book. There are two books, two letters, two books of the Bible. And now to get 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 12, there's so much there. And I struggled with it. So I says, I just want us to get, if we leave here today and knowing that we, have, we, we serve the chief cornerstone, the one lines everything up for the church. We worship him. He's drawn us out of darkness into light. He's made us a royal priesthood that we have direct access, and now we can speak salvation to others. What an opportunity. If there's any time an opportunity, because we don't have to look anywhere. We don't have to go to Guatemala, do we? we're lost on 301. I didn't. We are in our neighborhoods. So I wanna, I wanna give you a little colloquial story here to, to, to hammer this home. Young boy is about all oh, nine or 10 back in the 40s. He had some older brothers and, and he drove over in the old truck one day to pick up the brothers with his dad off the farm. I mean, it was rural, rural. So just getting to go over to town was just a joy. Some of you in here, I know I remember those days just to go for, remember remember just go get ice cream cone. Well, we did it all. So here's this young man getting to go to town. It was the county fair, going to pick up his brothers. And he was delighted with what he saw. So he asked if he could stay. And the fair manager said, no, how old are you? He said, no, you're going to have to be 10, you're just nine years old. Found it all out. So he was disappointed. Brothers finally came and off they went home. Now in his mind, the fairhead couldn't leave him. See, it wasn't something he had to do. He could hear his brothers mumbling and grumbling, never in front of their father, because remember, this is 1940. <laughs> he didn't, they didn't grumble, but they were older. So now the months came and, and he realized, oh, it's coming fair time. He made sure his fathers and brothers promised that they would get him there. The morning came. They called for him. They called for little Joe. They couldn't find him. They said, well, he's going to be late. I thought he was looking forward to it. But they finally said, we've got to go. But when they arrived on that five mile trip there, Joe was already there. See, Joe didn't have to do it. Maybe his brothers were compelled by their father to do it. Maybe there was some money on the other side. But the 10 year old boy walked five miles. It wasn't because he had to, it's because he got to. When a joy's in a man and a woman's heart, for the church and ministries, nothing can stop them. Nothing. Align your life with the chief cornerstone, surrender your heart to God, chisel away at that sin or eradicate it completely, and trust in God through His Word. And the chief cornerstone, deliver men and women. I see young people across the county that I know one day are going to come into Christ because of this new initiative here. Amen. I trust you want to be a part of more because he's given us so much. In a few minutes, we'll be praying together for a new day here at Grace Church Waldorf. I invite you to be in it. All of you pray with me now. Father, we delight in your word. Sometimes your word can be heavy, uncomfortable, but our prayer is that none of us here today stumble over it. None of us are put in a place of rejection, but at a place says, I know I don't have to, but I get to it. I want to be a part of the chief cornerstone's work. Father, thank you for this day, the day the Lord hath made. Thank you for these people. Continue to encourage them in their life and in their work and in their ministry for a new hope and a new plan. And let us draw closer together as we pray later on about a future here with the lead pastor and associate. Father, for all we have in Christ Jesus, the one who gives us hope through a newfound grace and mercy, we give you thanks. And I pray this in his mighty name. Amen.